Good evening. I hope you you appreciate the level of maturity and spirituality back up front here. I mean, we defer each other, prefer each other endlessly. It's a real sign of the true sons. A few, uh, few weeks ago, a few of us, several of us, took a class in uh, AED first aid class. Uh, instructors were none other than Sister Angela and Sister Hannah. And uh, <clears throat> just a little something to start tonight. Um, something that caught my attention was um, when, when there is some sort of incident at the workplace. Is that for me? Thank you. Or, um, you know, wherever you're working at, um, someone falls or whatever. Um, you're supposed to first, you know, check the scenery, right? Check the... The scene, not the scenery. <laughs> I would be checking the scenery even after this class. Nothing going on here. Everything is normal. Yeah. Um, you check the scene and then you go to the person. If they're still able to talk, you, you tap them and, and you ask them if they need help. And this is important, okay, because you get tested on this. You get tested on the timing and what you say. And they were there with their pencils, just making sure to mark that you got those things at the right time. And so you tap the person and you say, do you need help? Do you need help? And if they do need help, you're supposed to go like this and say, I need help, help, somebody help me. And then uh, you send someone specific. You don't just, you know, someone goes and dials 911. So, um, pretty clear what you're supposed to do. I don't remember past that. Um, that that's the only part I need. I need help. <laughs> you better send somebody. After that, you know, I had an employee this week, a new employee that I was interviewing them and asked them if they had this class and they said that they thought they did. <laughs> they thought they were current. Well, they had it, but they thought they were current. And then they said, but I'm always happy to get in there. And I was like, yeah, if I'm dying, just let me die. If you don't remember if you, when the last time it was. Um, so, um, uh, for the parents' sake, my theme tonight, uh, I remember, I too, you know, that was a long time ago, but I remember that look from a parent, mostly to 
the person speaking up here of pleading, please. <laughs> please be helpful, and then the jab to the kid. Listen, they're going to say it. Um, run for help. Run for help is um, probably the theme of, of what I want to share. Um, <clears throat> let me give you another, another quick little story, and then, uh, then I'll move through this. Um, with the help of the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit. Um, a lot of you have heard that story, um, the time that uh, we were at Chidna fishing and um, we lost a boat, not this <laughs> past year, but a long time ago when Timothy was a young kid. He was with me that time. And I think Nathan, you were there, Marcus Stanso, can't remember who, who else. Um, anyway, we were, <clears throat> We were all out fishing on the rocks and most of the crew was on the opposite side of the river. I had the boat with Timothy and um, <clears throat> we were fishing and, the, and the, the, the river is pretty rough and you know with the, current, the, the strength of the current and the waves, it, I didn't realize that the rope was laying on a sharp rock and it cut the rope off and then all of a sudden I look over and the boat just starts to pull away and it was... By the time I did that, and it was, you were tied up, so we untied. It was too, too, uh, <clears throat> you know, too far away to jump in it. So we, we ran down, and I'm just trying to get to one point. So we ran down the, up the hill, down the road, uh, because we could see the boat floating on the Chitna River, um, <clears throat> which is a pretty rough river for those of you who haven't been down there. Um, and. Uh, where we have camp, there's a creek there, and then there's a huge back eddy. And I mean huge back eddy that um, the boat thankfully went in there and it kind of went all the way down and came back around. Um, right after that area, the, the river gets pretty narrow and pretty rough. And uh, up at that point actually, it was pretty unfamiliar to a lot of us. We had never gone past that point even. Now we take walks and can see things out there, but it was, it looked like the part of the river that you didn't want to be in. Um, that's the end of our fishing area anyway. So the boat got caught way out there in the middle of this back eddy. Not in the middle of the <coughs> Copper River. Some stories have been exaggerated about this. Um, so Timothy and I ran down the road until we were pretty straight to where the boat was and we went through the trees, got to the edge of the river, and that was the shortest distance. And so I kept telling Timothy, I think if, if the boat stays there, we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna have to, to go get it. At that time, we didn't have a lot of money. And so the thought of, I didn't know what we would do, like, you know, but, but yeah, it was, it was worth the sacrifice. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was concerned that the whole, all the other guys were on the other side of the river. Timothy and I were the only ones on this side, and it never crossed my mind that we would hire that other boat charter to come rescue us. But anyway, so I told Timothy, I said, um, the, the boat seems to be stable. Um, I said, I, I, this, this is going to be fine. <laughs> this is going to be safe. It's a little bit risky, but it's safe. I said, I'm going to jump in and swim to the boat and bring it back. Um, I said, but if something goes wrong, 
said, if for some reason something doesn't go like the way I'm planning, said, I want you to get back on that road, go to our camp, pass our camp, all the way to O'Brien Creek, which is a few miles down the road. Um, and then at that time, you had to go all the way into town to get to the public phone. So I said, I want you to just, I said, just, you know, run, but don't get overtired, just go. And I said, when you get to the phone, dial 0907. And my wife is still forgiving me for this because I didn't give her her number. Give him his number. Give him her number to call. I gave Brother Richard Greenleaf's number. I needed first someone to answer their phone the first time. We have improved in our relationship. And someone that could calm Timothy down, because I figured by that time something had not gone right. And sometimes it would be able to tell him what he should do next. I said, Richard will know what to do. You tell him what's happening and he'll tell you what you should do. Um, <clears throat> I had a lot of faith in you, Richard. <laughs> um, but um, my point is, when we all, from a very young age, when you need help, you know where you should go. I mean, you talk to your kids that are, I don't care what age, because they get in trouble. And usually the first question is, what should you have done? <laughs> right? And they know, I should have called my dad. I should have called my mom. You know, I should have talked to my teacher. Did, you know, did you think that you should just do that? No. <laughs> Um, so, you know, from a very young age, it's been still in us that there is always someone that you can go to and that can provide the help that you need. Um, we don't always take it, and it seems that, you know, that same <laughs> trade that is in some of the young ones stays with all us adults, that um, we just do it in a more mature way, right? And what we do is right, so, but still, <laughs> uh, we know where to find the help that we really need. Uh, it's not a huge mystery as to where to run for help. And um, last week, Gabe was reading, um, uh, talking about uh, digging dig in deep, right? And he talked about the, the sources of water that we're drawn to and that we take and that we feed from. And um, um, I actually, that morning, I was on my way to Fairbanks and I told this to Gabe. Um, the scripture that I had been thinking and when I got home, I kind of looked it up and stuff. Um, but it was in John, that was that story of the Samaritan woman. Um, but um, I just want to, Gabe did a great job going through it. And I just want to say two things about that verse that were highlighted to me. Um, when I've been thinking about this, you, and you don't have to turn there because there are just a couple quick lines, but in John 4, 10, when Jesus comes to the, when he's at the well, waiting for his disciples, we all know the story, the Samaritan woman comes there, and he asks her for a drink, and she's shocked that he's, he's talking to her, and this, this caught my attention when, you know, he said to her, 
If thou knewest the gift of God, if thou knewest the gift of God, if we could just stop right there. If you just knew the gift of God and who it is that is asking you to drink of this water, then you would have asked and said, you know, I would have given you, you know, living water, waters that um, totally killing it, but waters that, uh, what is the word? Living waters, living waters. And, um, you know, if, if, if we just knew, like it, not just know about it, but if we came in contact with what the gift of God is, the help that we need, the source of life that you need and that I need on a daily basis, you know, it's everlasting. It's unending. It's, it's uh, sufficient to cover all your needs. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's hard and to stop drinking from other sources because we're not satisfied. We, we continue to, to look for places to fill us and to answer our questions. And it kind of comes, it comes down to this first thing. If you just knew the gift of God, you wouldn't have to be looking around, find, trying to find out, trying to figure out what you need. Because that gift of God is able to supply. It's a gift, okay? It's, it's freely given. It's for you to have. And, and God has made the promise that this gift of God has the answer for what you need. And it, it has, you know, a life. Everything in this world brings us to death. You know, we have life temporarily, but it all eventually dies. This gift of God brings life forevermore. It doesn't ever die. And, you know, uh, it's kind of funny if you, Gabe read it, but you're reading through the story and she's kind of thinking, you know, what is he talking about? He's talking about water, you know, how is he going to get in it? And all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, Jesus gets, gets down to earth about, about what he's, this living water is when he tells her, you know, you go get your husband. And she says, well, I don't have one. And he's like, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the one that you have now is not your husband. You know, he wasn't confronting her about the fact that she'd been through five marriages, I don't think. Or the fact that, that uh, the one that she, she wasn't married to this guy that she was with now. What he was trying to say was, you look for life. You look for answers everywhere. And you still don't have them. <clears throat> but I have the answers. And, you know, you don't ask. You don't ask. You don't, you know. Uh, my kids told them so many times, if you could save yourself so much trouble if you had just asked. <laughs> if you had just asked, if you had just come to me, yeah. would have saved you so much trouble. No comparison, but a tiny little picture of what Father God is able to do for those who run to Him. You know, another story, you don't have to turn there, but in John 7, 37, um, it says that uh, on the last day of the feast, uh, Jesus uh, stood up and he cried. 
And it always caught my attention that he did this on the last day of the feast. You know, and his cry was, If any man thirst, let him come unto me, and I will give him living water. The first day of the feast might have been a great time to ask that question. But the last day, you know, that's, the, that's when you're supposed to be satisfied. You're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to be okay. You have friends. You have food. You have all, everything. You have your answers. But no, there's still a thirst in all of us. And there's still a question that says, if you are thirsty, it doesn't matter where you're at. If you are thirsty, come to me. It's your, it's your turn. It's your step to come to me and I will give you living waters. Because those waters are the only waters that can satisfy us. They're the only, the only thing, and we're not talking about water. We're talking about the source of life that is a free gift given to us that never dies. And that has the answer and the way for all our needs. I am not against, you know, finding better ways of doing things. Not against going to doctors. I think God put them there for a purpose. I think they have a place. I think we need lots of help from lots of earthly things. We don't try to figure out how to get across the river every day, right? We have a boat that helps us get up river. God made those provisions. But there is a source of life that is everlasting and that it never dies. And that has an answer to our need. It has, it brings life to where only death can be found if it's not for him. And, you know, and that's, that's the main thing that I want to say tonight is there's you and I, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit, are destined to corrupt and to die, left to our own selves. Left to our life, left to us, we only go downhill. And we only age, and we only die. <laughs> but that's not the only answer available. And it, you know, Jesus said, if you are thirsty, come to me, and I will give you those waters that never die. That life that may look like it's dying can bring forth everlasting life. But it does take a going to him. It takes a connection. A asking, Brother Bill talks about making yourself available, offering yourself. In uh, Isaiah 31, a great chapter um, says uh, woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots 
because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel you know it's so easy it's so easy to look at other places like Abe was talking other sources that give some life they give some answers they, they give you some ability to go on for a while but it says, woe to them that look at that as their answer because they're strong or because they have a better way of doing it, a faster way. Uh, many reasons that we justify in our minds why we do what we do. It says, woe to them because they don't rely and look unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise and will bring evil and will not call back his words. That's an interesting line, uh, line there. That to those that don't look to him, he won't. You know how we talked about his void does not, his word does not return void. But will arise against the house of the evildoers and against the help of them that work iniquity. Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses flesh and not spirit. When the Lord shall stretch out his hand, both he that helpeth shall fall, and he that is helping shall fall down, and they all shall fall together. Interesting. It's not just about going to someone. It's about going to the right person, because then you fall, and then the person that was helping you, or the situation that was helping you, is also going to fail you. There's no security in that. For thus, verse uh, 4, For thus had the Lord spoken unto me, like as a lion and the young lion roaring on his prey, when a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, he will not be afraid of the voice, nor abase himself for the noise of them. So shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it. And passing over, he will preserve it. That's quite a promise there. You know that he's going to defend you. He's going to defend those that are his like a lion would defend when he has a little cub there next to him and they have food. Nothing is going to touch that piece of meat. Turn ye unto him from whom the children of Israel have deeply revolted. For in that day every man shall cast away his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which your own hands have made unto, unto you for a sin. Then shall the Assyrian fall with a sword, not of a mighty man, and of and of the sword, not of a mean man shall devour him, but he shall flee from the sword, and his young men shall be discomfited. And he shall pass over, his, over to his strong hold for fear. That thing that you thought was strong is going to fear. And his princes shall be afraid of the yang sign, the flag that we sang about, saith the Lord of hosts, whose fire is in Zion and whose furnace is in Jerusalem. You know, just trying to give you, remind you of the picture of 
the way that Father God is going to look after those that are His. Like when you run to Him for help, you may not feel it. You may not get the answers that you want, the answers that, you, that we think we need. But it doesn't mean that Father God is not protecting you and making sure that you are secure. When we talk about security in God, we're talking about that place in which you are going to Him and He will make sure that everything that needs to happen to bring you through will happen and you will have the strength that it takes to stand through all that. That's security in God. Not in the outward, not in what's out there, but in, in the faith that regardless of how it looks, there's a God that looks out after me. Like, like any wild animal out there, fierce animal would protect their own. Father God has said that he'll protect his people and his children with that kind of seal and that kind of fervor. <clears throat> but not just protection. He will help you. And sometimes the help that we get is not the help we want. It's not the help we think we need, but it's still the help that has been provided by Him. In Hebrews 4, don't turn there again, 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly. It's a great scripture. We quote it a lot. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find help and find grace to help in time of need. You know, this coming boldly to the throne of grace. I don't know that it's so much what we think boldly means. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it is at times. But, you know, um, last week, actually, David and Richard emphasized that, you know, from he was talking about if from that thence, right? From thence. It doesn't matter. It, it takes boldness to go to God when you don't feel like you deserve God. When you don't feel like you deserve help. When you don't feel that you deserve cleanliness and a pure heart. It's bold to still say, God, I am running to you for help because I need it right now. It doesn't matter what this, you don't have to be in the mire, in the muck, to run for help. It doesn't matter if it's Richard said it. It doesn't matter if it's good or if it's horrible. What matters is that from that place that you're in, you go to Him. It's from there that you set your heart to say, God, I'm coming boldly to your throne. I don't deserve it. I don't feel like it. Sometimes it's just a matter of not feeling like it. But I'm coming to you because you are the God that is able to deliver me from the prison that I am in. It's a prison. Definitely a prison. Definitely a place that you can't get out on your own. And nobody can help you and get out of there. That sounds like a prison. <laughs> sounds like a place of no recourse on your own. <clears throat> Let me um, 
in, in um, Esther. I just want to read a couple of verses. In Esther chapter 7. Um, yeah, that'll be good. Thanks, Richard. I, um, Let's go to chapter 6. I, I sent this, this verse to Megan because of what the opening that she brought and it had been something that I've been thinking about. And, you know, I'm just really impressed in how in line I've been, how together I've been with the people in my house. Just uh, overwhelmed, huh? Esther 6, verse 13. We all know the story here. Um, <clears throat> This is about um, Haman and Mordecai. Um, right here, at this point in the story, Haman had taken a couple of humblings. Um, he had just finished taking Mordecai around on his horse and saying, this is what the king does to the man, the, to the, the, yeah, to the, the man that the king likes to honor. And, you know, shouted that through all, all the streets of the city and so he got off he finished that duty and went to his household and talked to his servants and his wife about what had just happened and um, verse 13 it says and Haman told Sirish his wife and all his friends everything that had happened befallen him then said his wife his wife's men and Sirish's wife unto him if Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews before whom thou has begun to fall thou shall not prevail against him but shall surely fall before him I love that if Mordecai you know that the enemy knew better than Mordecai did and then Esther what the rules of engagement were his wife knew that if he had messed with the seed of a Jew which is, is, is talking about the seed of God the thing that he plants and that he protects and that as Megan said will bring forth life it's promised that it will regardless of the environment it will bring forth life which is a tremendous promise but you know I love the fact that it says you will surely be destroyed and you will surely fall wow <laughs> what a promise uh, what a place of safety and security God has provided for those that know how to say I am in need of that <laughs> please pick me <laughs> help me and then let's skip to <clears throat> chapter 7 and speaking of running to help of all people in the Bible probably Esther the queen should have been the last one to need help from the king to be delivered from the king right I mean she was the king's wife for God's sake you know she probably should have felt the more most secure out of anybody But, you know, it's a great 
It's a great picture of how the heart of Father God for his children is the heart of God that we run to him. It is the heart of God that we turn. Sometimes it's just the turning that we make effort, that we show a willingness to turn to him and ask for help. You know, as, as a parent, as a father, it's so much better when you know that, that, that your, your child just, you know, ask. Just even made, you know, a motion of wanting to receive input. It's, it's really all God needs. Because he knows how to do the rest. We can't, you know, this gets back to, we can't do this on our own. But God is able to. And he, and he gives us, through our daily lives, He gives us the tools that we need to bring this man into the transformation that it needs to manifest Him in the life of His Son. We have no idea how to do that. Even at our best, most spiritual places that you might think you found, that's still not good enough without turning to Him and letting Him bring and do that work in all of our lives. So it doesn't, you know, we're not talking, you know, I hope young people, older people, there is no magic thing that anyone has found. Brother Bill, you know, the father minister, whoever, everyone needs to run for help and ask for the help of God. Nobody knows the way to God except to turn to Him. And he's the one that knows how to bring us to him. And Esther the queen here, the person that you would have never thought needed help. <clears throat> says in verse 4, we all know the story of how she wanted to talk to the king. And, you know, all the steps to get here. Um, <clears throat> and if you want a better way of saying this, watch the Esther production. Uh, <clears throat> verse 4, for we, this is the queen talking. For we, to the king, for we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. I know we've been talking a lot about the grace of God and the help of God, but let me just go to the, here for a moment. Without you running to God, your destiny is to be destroyed. Your destiny is to perish. Is to not bring life. Right? I can be corrected if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure that without Him, that is our life sentence. To death. Then let's finish the verse. That's pretty much all I wanted to say about that verse. We know the end of the story. Though my point is, as you know, the queen was telling the king something that, I mean, this is a natural king, so he didn't know, but Father God knows. 
that we need him in order to be delivered from the bondage and from this prison of death that is over us. <clears throat> Did the king need the queen to come talk to her? It was here for a reason. <laughs> he wants his children to know how to turn and say, Lord God, I need your help. Even like a little child would say, yes, I should have called for you. Let me close in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're trouble on every side and not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, not forsaken, cast down, not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. The life, you know, so the way to not fret the persecution, the things that are coming to you, the way to not fail in any of those is to know who to run, run for help and to realize that He's the only one that has the help. That's a treasure. That's the treasure that is in us. That, that, uh, that his life is planted in here. Megan talked about that seed that will bring forth life. When we allow him to bring the water of the word, the water of what he needs, the water of life, so that that seed can break forth and bring the life that it was intended from the very beginning. So don't, don't hesitate, regardless of where you're at, to turn to him. It's a, it's a daily, hourly, and sometimes, for some of us, more than that, turning. Constant running to him. And I'm not talking about using God as a parakeet, right? That he's always talking, we're always asking him. He made some very thing, things that are very simple, but always having an attitude of being willing to be directed by Him. Not by our inclinations, not by our ideas, not by what the help that, you know, Gabe made it clear the other night, there's so much that is being offered up nowadays. It's hard sometimes to wade through all those voices, but there is one voice there that if you are still, God will make Himself known to you and bring the help and the answers. Whether you see them as answers right now or not, they are answers that will bring forth fruit at its perfect time. Um, I'd like to 
say a little something that in my heart confirms this word. Um, last week, uh, during the praise service, I was standing here next to Brother Bill, and uh, I leaned over to him, and I said, Brother Bill, how deep are we willing to go in our call for help? And then Gabe got up, and guess what he talked about? And now we hear it, even another nudge to go deep. You know, um, God is deep, and the deep calls upon the deep. Out here off the coast of the Aleutian Islands is the extension of the Mindanao Deep, and it's 35,000 feet deep over there. Seven miles deep. During the time of Noah, we all talk about the rain, but he also opened the fountains of the deep. All right? And it brought death, and it brought life. Because Noah was willing to go deep. With the, in the word of God, Noah was willing to take up the cross. So how deep is the cross? How deep is the affliction and the suffering that Jesus went through? How deep was that? Even to the extent that he shed tears of blood there in the garden. How deep will we go to shut out the voices of the world to eliminate those things that satisfy temporarily and don't bring don't really take care of our thirst you know it's it's called the cross but everyone has his own cross i have mine you have yours and the cross is deep. It's deep. God is digging deep in your heart and he's digging deep in mine to call for help. So, you know, dig deep and call for help. You need it and so do I. so easily overlooked but that was a pattern with Jesus there he was right in their midst you know he held every answer right um, oh yeah I don't think I ever got a call either we are thankful for that. 
I bet Tim was thankful too. Tim? Is he searching for the boat? All that said, let me see. I'm. Well, I thought it was in uh, John. John five. He was talking about um, they were they they searched. Let me see what's here. He was right there in her midst. He says, "You and you search the scriptures." Yeah, but you won't come to me, and that's an indictment. And at times, you know, we find ourselves in the same place. Lord, help us. We can expend a lot of effort and energy. Nathan, you closed. Not to belabor this, but I think it was that same trip that we went after those guys that their motor conked out. Was that the same trip? Pretty sure it was you and me. And But there's, there's these guys on the trip and they were in this, uh, one of those little rubber inflatable boats and their motor conked out and they were floating down the river and we were on the, we were on the shore by camp. And um, it's just, just a little raft bobbing down the river. And they were on there and they were scrambling around. They had the motor, the cover off the motor, and they were, and we said, those guys look like they could use a, use a hand. So we got in our boat and went after them, and they had gone down around the corner where he was, it started to get pretty rough down there. And uh, we pulled up beside them and kind of, you know, anchored their boat alongside ours. And uh, there's two guys in the boat, and one of them could not get in our boat fast enough. He was just like, Oh man, he was just bailing over the side of our boat and hammering on. And the other guy was like, Oh yeah, we, we probably would have been fine. We, we would have got it started here in a minute. And uh, anyhow, but yeah, it's, it's great. You can, since you're here, you might as well help us sort of thing. But just the two different attitudes of when you're in a strait and you're looking for help, you know, that's kind of the attitude that we can get is like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll be able to figure it out by myself. Just, I don't, I don't like the help that's coming, so I'm just going to, I'll figure it out on my own. But the, the thing that's got to come from our heart is that when the help is there and we, we, we recognize it, it's like, God, thank you. Thank you for extending that help that I need, even though sometimes it's not maybe what I'm looking for. But let me take the help. And that's, I think it's a good message for all of us tonight for sure. So, all right. Anything else? Do thank you, Lord, for your word that's faithful to us, Lord. We thank you that uh, you don't leave your sons wanting for bread, but uh, we, we take your provision, Lord, and, and cause us to, to uh, make this something that's part of us, Lord. We ask you that you would go with us tonight, Lord. You would strengthen all our loved ones in every way that needs your touch tonight. We go in your name. Amen.